the possibility of things going wrong. And yet you can see yourself thriving and dealing with these things, right? Back to the capacity to cope. So we try to strike a balance between those ideas. And then now we're going to talk a little bit about an idea. Again, we've talked about already this episode. Memento Mori comes up clearly, I think, and powerfully in uh, the essay here we're looking at for Debutan when he tells us, in comparison with the horror of our final exit, the pains and troubles of our bolder moves and riskier adventures do not, in the end, seem so terrifying. Right? For him, memento mori, we need regular, forceful encounters with reminders that there is something else we should be far more frightened of than embarrassment around inviting someone for dinner or starting a new business. Confidence requires a sense that we would, if everything fails, still be okay. And again, we see, I think, really good connections there between how we can stop awfulizing, stop making ourselves feel incapable of dealing with these things, stop magnifying the risks so that they seem huge. A lot of these ideas on confidence, as we said, and we're going to have this in a moment, is or that these ideas revolve around that internal dialogue, right? So if you see something as 30 feet tall when it really is 10, you have to work on your report. You have to work on the information and the perception you're crafting of that thing. If every obstacle seems bigger than it is, it's gonna be very hard to be confident, right? So there's two general pathways here. You make things seem what they truly are, not a great sentence. You make things seem as problematic as they truly are. So you try to confront the world more objectively. Let's say three things then. That's a good idea. And you also can work, as we're seeing here, to make your perspective on the problem such that it's smaller to you than you're making it seem. So when you awfulize, again, you make things bigger. When you're magnifying risks, you make the frequency with which bad things happen seem more than it really is, right? And then when you are doing the wishful thinking, you're doing the opposite. Both of those are naive. Both of those are unrealistic and unbalanced, right? So you make the things, the problems, the events, the obstacles, the other people being negative, you make them smaller by putting something bigger next to them, right? It's a matter of perspective, right? Which is what Debutan is saying here, which is what Cohen is saying too, right? And then the third way, I think, and we'll get to this in a minute, and Memento Mori gets us here because that's you. You're acknowledging your own mortality to make your problems seem smaller. You can make yourself feel bigger. You can build yourself up in a way that's honest and in a way that is healthy and confident such that your problems seem smaller. Right? So different pathways, kind of more philosophically there than anything else, I think, to this idea of confidence. So on that note, Debutan says, we can change the presence of an enemy. I'm sorry, we cannot change the presence of an enemy. Again, shit happens. But we can change what an enemy means to us. Okay? We can remember, this is great, right? That only some people hate, very few love, and almost all just don't care. So we have this idea in our minds of the opinions of others. It, it might torture us. They don't care. I love this line from Debutant. You think everybody in class is going to be judging you when you speak or everyone at the meeting is going to be judging when you speak. Most people are spaced out. And this is coming from a guy who does that for a living, right? This is what it is. A lot of most is an overstatement. Some people will be spaced out. And even if people are paying very close attention, the odds of them thinking about what you said 20 minutes after you say it or even two minutes after you say it, not very good, right? 
So we create this image in our minds that other people are preoccupied with us in the same way we're preoccupied with ourselves. It's not really happening. Okay, so we are familiar enough with the fear of failure such that we start putting it onto these other things. Right? We felt that before, and again, we let it consume us. And he says this great idea, the benefit of thinking a lot less of everyone can be, calmer, can be a calmer attitude towards a specific meanness of a few. We should keep in mind a confident person Right, makes the confident distinction between the hater and the critic. We try to correct our genuine flaws, right, and we don't get caught up with these opinions of others. For again, one example of an event or a perceived thing to fear. We can internalize the opinions of others in ways that is way, way, way healthier. Right? And that goes back to the capacity to cope, and it goes back to focusing on what we can't control. We can't control what other people are thinking. But when we focus on that, we self-sabotage. Right? And he tells us here, confidence is in large part an internalized version of the confidence other people once had in us. An inner voice always used to be an outer voice that we have absorbed and made our own. Many of our inner voices need editing out. We should strive to ensure that the way in which we speak to ourselves becomes more conscious. This is philosophy, right? This is the philosophical meditation that I encourage all of us to participate in. If you're my student, we have our meditation every chapter. If you're not my student and you have access to our uh, chapters right now, um, I wrote a book called 100 Conversations You Need to Have. It's actually a trilogy. So when you order it, you get three books for the price of one. And it's a series of 100 questions in each book with some space to write your response. And on the next page, you get a quote from philosophy to help guide you through your thinking. And hopefully it can kind of work in this sort of bibliotherapeutic way. Right. So, again, philosophy as a form of therapy is very much something I believe in, something these authors believe in. And that's what that is. The battle with the inner voice is how we can lead a more joyful, productive life, right? I love that he mentions that here. And really analyze this, right? Are you, again, making good interpretations of that person's voice who you think is condemning you to a life of less confidence than you'd like to lead? Maybe they were having a rough day. Maybe they're dealing with their own problems and that informed their statement about you and you never considered that. Maybe you're interpreting it incorrectly. Maybe, again, you're awfulizing. You're making it more than what it really is. You won't know if you don't examine it. So, again, thinking about the events in our lives, in our past, the people in our lives, in our pasts that are impacting us, those kind of primal wounds, right? We can grapple with them more effectively in our adulthood than when we were 10 or when we were 15. we got to return to them. They might be getting in the way. That's the removal of the inner voice, or maybe not even the removal, right? Maybe you're making the inner voice a little softer, putting some distance between you and the voice. You can't really hear it as well. You don't hear it as frequently, but you got to go back. You got to think about these things. You got to edit it out. It's a great way to put it. So that's why we do the philosophical meditation, right? Where you take a question, you take an event, again, a person, and you write about it, right? Why did this bother me so much today? What actually happened? What was that person maybe going through? How could I have dealt with that situation better? Why does it impact me now? Who would I be if it didn't impact me? What goodness could I get out of making this voice softer? 
You got to sit and write about that stuff. And then where philosophy comes in again with not going to, well, I guess I'm going to mention my book again. Um, a quick quote from philosophy might be helpful with that. Right. So throughout this episode already, we've had be healthy in word, Marcus Aurelius. We've had we suffer more in imagination than in reality by Seneca. We've had Aristotle coming in the golden mean aim for balance in life. You won't always be balanced and balance will look different for everybody. But we got to balance ourselves out. We have to examine our actions. Another quote from Aristotle. Right. So all this stuff. And again, even the quotes I'm reading from these books. Right. They become pathways to understanding and shaping ourselves. And if we have the goal of confidence, I'm hoping some of these specifics will be useful. Right. And again, we keep in mind confidence is not arrogance. As De Bouton finishes this essay. Right. Confidence is in its essence entirely compatible with remaining sensitive, kind, witty and soft spoken. You can be all of those things and be confident. And that should be the aim, right? If you're confident and you're not kind, that's not a win. If anything, confident people should be more open to being kind. Because sometimes being kind is kind of like being vulnerable, right? At least we perceive it that way. That that old, not old, I don't want to say old. It's a cliche, right? Don't confuse kindness with weakness. But we know sometimes people do that. You have to be willing to take that risk. Again, taking risks requires confidence, Right? So again, let's maybe get a couple other points here on just some quick pathways, right? We already talked about the first few. Don't demand perfection. Don't compare yourself too much to others. Avoid the extremes of wishful thinking. Avoid the extreme or the opposite of wishful thinking, which is um, – one second. A little tired, sorry. Um, magnifying risks, right? Avoid that. Avoid awfulizing. Maybe memento mori again. A lot of encouragement for that. I'm going to – Maybe try to not talk about that so much moving forward, but maybe work that in a little bit. It should make your other fear, fears look smaller, right? Right. We have to learn how to accept that there's, you know, again, shit's going to happen. And through that acceptance, even the acceptance of our imperfection, the, the acceptance of the imperfection of the world, the imperfection of others, we're more willing to engage through that engagement. We get confident, right? We cultivate the capacity to cope. Things might be bad. Let's address them honestly. But even if they're absolutely catastrophic, we still want to lead a life. So why not tell yourself? Why not give yourself the image of yourself that I'll be good? I'll figure it out. Versus it's going to be impossible, which leads me kind of organically to one more connection I'd like to make with um, Cohen's work, which I think is a very interesting concept. Give me one second here to turn to the page. I can't stand it, itis. This is great, right? This fallacy is when you tell yourself, if you find something difficult or challenging to deal with, then it must be beyond your capacity to tolerate, and you cannot and must not ever hope to succeed at it. This is, this is great, right? You, th this is you getting your own way. It's a totally self-fulfilling prophecy. The bad, things ha the bad thing happens not only does it happen and I feel bad about it, but I can't deal with it. And I'm telling myself I cannot deal with it. Once again, we have to change the language. Can't, not a word we should use. I choose not to. I won't. You're taking more responsibility. And in that responsibility, that's where your power is. Because now you see yourself as able to change circumstances that need changing. Don't tell yourself you can't. And now, of course, initially when you're grieving or what have you, 
It's going to feel like that, and that's okay. And a part of grieving is getting the I can'ts out on the table so you can actually look at them and examine them. Can I really can't? That was great, right? Okay. Can I, was it? Can I really can't? Is a good question. And a lot of the times, you actually can. But you have to tell yourself that. Again, confidence is that internal dialogue, the removal of negative voices, and then we construct a self that has more positive narratives of the self. I did a lot of talking today. That's good. I think that's why we have a few suggestions there. Take those into consideration, right? I think we'll maybe have one more episode on confidence. Um, we'll see how it goes. But I hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening. Take care.